Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch the MileHighSports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD, 3 FM. Andrew Mason here, Eric Goodman on assignment. Joining me today is Aaron Anderson, A-R-R-A-N, Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N on Twitter. If you want to follow him on the Rocky Mountain Forest Parks Twitter feed, I am, of course, at Mace, Mace Denver. We touched on the Final Four earlier, uh, Aaron, and uh, mm-hmm. when you were – you worked in the uh, Raleigh-Durham Chapel Hill market for a few years. Did you ever get to cover a Final Four in person while you were out there? No, gosh, thanks for rubbing it in, Mace. I, that, that's oh, sorry. To, to be really honest with you, that's always been a dream of mine. I've, I've had a chance to cover Super Bowls, and I mean, you name the sporting event, I've probably had a chance to, to see it uh, unfold in person. But a Final Four is something I, I dreamed of, of covering. The first year I was there in Raleigh working for the CBS affiliate, I was um, tracking Duke who uh, made their way from Pittsburgh for the uh, opening two rounds to Omaha, where the Blue Devils uh, ran into the Jayhawks of Kansas. They ended up losing in overtime, a game that I think they were up like five points with a minute to go and somehow found a way to, to lose the lead and ended up coming up short. And then the next year with Zion Williamson and company, uh, the Devils were the, the top-ranked team heading into the tournament. They lost by one to Michigan cool. State in the Elite Eight. So came very, very close, and, and here it is, you know, Three years after I skipped town, not one, but two triangle teams qualify for a Final Four. So uh, timing is everything, and apparently my timing, Mace, is awful. <laughs> so literally, and the, and the couple of years before that, North Carolina had gone to the Final Four. And won. That's exactly yeah. right. So the you know, they won, and one of the years they lost to Villanova on the, the Chris Jenkins shot at the end of the game. That's it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, that, is, that really is... I was actually there on, and I can't remember, uh, Cameron, they call it Countdown to Craziness, which is the kickoff. I think they called it um, the kickoff for, for Duke basketball. I think the uh, the UNC opener used to be like Late Night with Roy, where right. they they do a bunch of skits and whatnot, and the, the men's and women's teams would scrimmage. And the night that I covered that for the first time, they actually hung the 2017 National Championship banner. So I've had the, the end, the culmination of a national championship where the banner is raised and everybody, you know, jumps up and down, but I've never seen it actually unfold in person. So maybe someday, Mace, how about you? Have you been to a final four? Have you seen one of these in person? I haven't. I've been to an elite eight. I've been to a bunch of, uh, uh, first and second rounds over the years. I've never been to a final four. Mm. And, uh, now I sort of regret not putting my name in the, uh, the lottery for the, for the tickets this past year, by the way, I was seeing like on the secondary market, there are some tickets for tomorrow night going for $1,500. But the thing is, in the Superdome, a lot of the seats that people are going to have are going to be a long, long way from the court. You know, and, and, and that's a great um, point. And, and Mace, you and I have covered Super Bowls, and, and people ask me about, you know, what it was like. My experience in covering a Super Bowl, and granted, we, we did have decent seats, but but even so, I think I would rather be at home, you know, with friends and family. I've got access to my refrigerator, and number one, I've got access to a bathroom. Right? Huh. Um, for for you, um, in terms of a major sporting event, would you rather be there, or would you rather watch it from the comfort of your own couch? 
you know, I think you'd rather, I think for something like that, you want to, for a final four, you, you want to go. So you, like you can say just once that you went. Right. But I have to say, like, in terms of what I'd rather see, like, I think if I were spending money to go to a basketball event every year, mm-hmm. I would be more likely to go to a great conference tournament than the final four. A, a con- like that was in and like the ACC tournament in Greensboro. Right. Or in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center or the Big Ten tournament in Indian, Indianapolis or in, in Chicago. I think those probably are a little bit uh, better experienced than, than the final four itself. Well, and, and if you talk to people that run to Vegas to cover or or even to watch the Pac-12 tournament, mm-hmm. I think tickets are only like 10 to 15 bucks per per session. So you get a couple games, you're in Vegas. For my money, what I would love to do is is I'd love to stake out one of the um one of the regional sites, right? Mm-hmm. Where you you see the first and second round games. Uh they they sell those and the sessions are two games apiece, so you'd have to buy tickets for each session. But for my money, I think that, and again, it's a roll of the dice. You don't know who's going to be coming there. You buy the tickets in advance and hope that you get somebody good. However, I think to have a chance to sit there and watch four basketball games on one of the opening days, man, I think that'd be fantastic. So that's where I would go. But, I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of, maybe I'm just getting old. I just turned 50, Mace. Uh, yeah. I, the couch is just really appealing to me. Yeah, and the, the – and- Especially in that first and second round, you can watch every game mm. from the comfort of home. And I, but I do having been to the first and second round, that is a it's a great event to go to, and uh, it, it is a lot of fun. But you know, some sometimes when you go to one of those sites, you get you you get the prime site, or or sometimes I've been there and you've gotten kind of four duds over the course of a day, yep. and then you look around and see the other games around the country, and you're like, oh man, what an upset going on, and and the game that you're you're watching is like a 15 over two and it wasn't an upset and it's like you know the, the two is winning by about 20 points and right. you feel like you're kind of you're kind of missing out on something you mentioned um you know the conference tournaments and you know of course one thing about those if you go and, and the price of the tickets if you go out to vegas and i think this is this may be the trip to do someday mm-hmm. because in vegas now you have the west coast conference you've got of course, which is, of course, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You've got the Pac-12 conference. You have the Mountain West conference. That's right. And then you've got a, co- a couple other uh, smaller ones, like the, the Western Athletic Conference, the Big West conference. That, I think, would be really cool to kind of just go out there and not have a ticket and just decide, oh, what's the best game to go to today? And they just scarf a ticket on the market and go. Amen. Just kind of. You know, plan it from moment to moment. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and especially in that environment. Um, gosh, you're in Vegas. You're out and about. People are hyped up. I mean, it, it, for me, that would be an incredible opportunity. Funny story, Mace. I was working for the ABC affiliate years ago here in Denver. And at the time, Colorado had a decent team. And they, they went on to win that Pac-12 tournament to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Uh, CSU, I think this was 2013 or 2014. Probably 2013. CSU had a great team as well, and I think they ended up winning their first-round NCAA tournament game, eventually losing to Louisville, who won it all. And DU had a chance. I think they were the top seed heading into their conference tournament. And so I I marched into my my boss's office, the news director, um, again at Channel 7, and I said, Jeff, we got to go. All these things are going on. And he just looked at me, and he goes, no one here gives a damn about basketball. 
And I thought, man, here's somebody who has no idea what in the world he's talking about. You have three local teams that have a chance to get into the dance, and we're going to sit here on the sideline and watch this all play out, which, again, is what we did. But, for, mm-hmm. yeah, for my money, Mace, man, to have a chance to, to, to catch some good basketball, especially teams fighting for their lives and fighting for a chance to, to play in, in the NCAA tournament, man, that's, that'd be a great trip. I would encourage anybody to do that if they can. Exactly. And what you told, what you just said there about, uh, uh, about, uh, your boss there, you know, kind of nixing the trip. It breaks my heart, but it's one of the things that, that does kind of bother me about Denver's sports market is that college basketball just doesn't have uh, traction. Even though you've had some good teams from CSU and you had a really good CSU team up in Fort Collins this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe we know that David Roddy has decided to test to test the waters of the NBA draft. But if he doesn't find what he's looking for and he comes back, maybe next year is the kind of year that uh, could change uh, the Denver market a little bit and how it embraces college basketball in this state. Because CSU, if Roddy comes back, should be back in the tournament and CU is going to, as a young team, getting better. I expect they'll be back in the tournament. So maybe maybe a year like next year can change things a bit. I hope so. Because, I mean, look, there's nothing like having a dog in the fight. And, you know, whether it's Tad in Boulder Mm -hmm. or... What Nico's doing up in Fort Collins, I, I, I think you're, you're on to something. I mean, we, we've had good basketball over the last couple of years. And, yep. um, yeah, I hope that that changes because there's, there's man, there's nothing like, you know, turning on that TV or, or looking at that scoreboard or filling out a bracket and there's Colorado or there's CU, right? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, eh, fun, man. That's what sports is all about. And let's hope that these programs can continue to ramp it up. It is, and I can recall 10 years ago being down in Albuquerque when CU uh, p- played in, in the first round and got a first-round uh, upset over, I believe, UNLV. Mm-hmm. And there were enough CU fans that drove down 25 to Albuquerque, and a lot of fans, a lot of CU people will tell you it was it was, it was, uh, it was still Coors Event Center. It, it, was, it was Coors South ah. that day at the pit, and that it was really awesome. And uh, for C- CU has continued to sustain that, but like they could – just build it a little more. Remember, no Colorado team has been to the Sweet 16 since 1969. Maybe that will change next year. One thing that will be changing this fall in the AFC West, of course, no Tyree Kill in Kansas City with the Chiefs, but they might be on the market, on the prowl for another top shelf receiver. What might that mean for the Broncos and for the Chiefs and the AFC West as a whole? We'll get into that. On the other side, afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Arn Anderson filling in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here, Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio, 98.1 FM. 107.5 HD3 FM in Denver. If you want to join us on the Rocky Mountain, I'm at Mace Denver on Twitter. Aaron Anderson, who's sitting in for Goodman today, is at A-R-R-A-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Aaron Anderson on Twitter as well. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. 
Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. The month of March is over, Aaron, and I think we can kind of take a deep breath after what happened in the NFL over the last few weeks, which was a an <laughs> off-season frenzy, the likes of which I really don't think we've ever seen uh, in the NFL. And uh, the result of it is that uh, the AFC West looks like the best division in football, has four teams that believe they all can go to the Super Bowl, and that still includes the Kansas City Chiefs. However, they traded Tyreek Hill a little over a week ago, and while there's a lot of logic to them trading Tyreek Hill, not wanting to pay him in the mid uh, in the mid twenty million dollar a year a year range in terms of his his contract, and they got quite a bit back for him, including a first round pick. It's certainly a deal that might make them a little bit worse in the short term, even though it probably can make them better and more viable in the long term because of the cost control they could have if they replace them with younger receivers. Well, earlier this week, Diana Rossini of ESPN reported that the Chiefs were, in fact, look, making calls to try to acquire another top-level wide receiver and when I was down at the uh, NFL League meetings in Palm Beach earlier this week, a name that was floating around a lot of conversation, a lot of buzz regarding the Chiefs was DK Metcalf of the Seahawks. And presumably, if the Chiefs trade for DK Metcalf, it would be a first-round pick likely going back to Seattle. So I started thinking about this. I liked the trade of, of Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs, even though it may have weakened them this year, mm-hmm. it set them up better for the long term because they're not going to be able to fit every you know ten pounds into a five pound bag. They're going to have to they're going to have to have some cost control at some positions. They're going to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes, and if they trade for DK Metcalf, unless they resign, if they resign, unless they resign him, they're only getting getting one year. And if they do resign him after this year because he's on the last year of his deal, then then. That's going to be an expensive wide receiver and maybe somebody as expensive as uh, as Tyreek Hill. So I think if the Chiefs have a, a long-term plan, DK Metcalf might kind of hurt that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, that was a head-scratcher for me. And I, I'm not a huge believer in addition by subtraction, but we have to keep in mind that the Chiefs did get five picks back in that deal. And, yes. you know, ultimately, uh, at some point, you're going to draft a wide receiver. Uh, they did add um, Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, mm-hmm. They also added a running back, Mace, named Ronald Jones. And I think, yep. for me, I think it's easy to look at this trade and go, oh my gosh, the Chiefs are in trouble. We hadn't, we now have a shot. And granted, with the addition of Russell Wilson, the Broncos do have a legitimate shot. So do the Raiders. So do the Chargers. But I, I think what we're seeing, at least from my perspective, is Andy Reid may be looking to add a little bit more balance, and not only to the offense. They've got a lot of draft picks. They can certainly shore up that defense, which has been a sieve in recent years. But offensively, you may see a team that might rely a little bit more on the run. And the fact that that Hill isn't there, and don't get me wrong, dynamic player, generational player, uh, from what we've seen, they should be carving out a spot in Canton for him because he's that good. Patrick Mahomes can play better. And I, I think you still have Kelsey there. You still have Andy Reid. 
you know, a, a guy who has a dynamic offense and is, is known for creativity as well as Eric Bieniemy. I, I, I just I think we need to pump the brakes on this whole narrative that oh my gosh the Chiefs are in trouble because I I don't really believe that they are. They certainly will not be the same offense that we've come to know over the last couple of years. But man, anytime you've got Pat Mahomes lining up under center, either to take a snap or to have it you know snap to him in the shotgun. You've got uh, a real challenge defensively to try to match up with that unit, and I, I still believe that they're going to be a, a real, you know, in terms of the NFL, uh, they're going to be one of the top four or five offenses in this league, even though Hill is no longer there. Should they still be the favorite in the AFC West? Man, that's a great question, and uh, I, I think the team that, that uh, might give them the, the most trouble right now is the one that shored up their de- defense with Khalil Mack. I think the Chargers are going to be a real force this next year. And, you know, Devontae Adams to the Raiders are certainly is going to give uh, Derek Carr another weapon to work with. But I think the Chargers are really going to be formidable, certainly on defense. And you have to believe that one of the reasons they pulled the trigger on that deal was they know what they have to face twice a year in Kansas City. And uh, you want to have a defense that can give uh, Pat Mahomes fits. Man, we saw what happened in that Super Bowl where, where Tampa Bay was relentless up front. Uh Pressure, 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 which really got him out of sorts. So I think the bottom line is we've seen every one of these teams in the AFC West get better. And, uh, man, I can't wait to see how this unfolds because, as you, you you alluded to, this is going to be the best conference in the NFL. I have no doubt about it. I have no doubt either. And the thing is, it's going to be so stacked that there isn't going to be room for all of these teams to be very good. Somebody is going to going to to fall sh- to fall short in this group mm-hmm. it's going to be a knockdown drag out even if even if the teams i mean no one's going to run the table outside of the division in all likelihood but even if the teams do well outside of the division are they going to have enough based on the lumps they'll take inside the division like for example it's probably fair to expect the broncos to go eight and three outside of the, of the division I think that would be a terrific outcome for them, given who they face. They face the entire uh, NFC West. They face the entire AFC South, which has, uh, which means they have to take a trip to Tennessee, and they have Indianapolis coming in. Mm-hmm. They've got Baltimore on the road. If you go eight and three in in, in uh, outside division play, that's terrific. And if you go if you go five hundred in the division, that's that's eleven and six. I mean, I think you legitimately may end up having four of the best seven or eight teams in football right there in one division. I don't think the records are going to reflect that at the end of the day. No, and, and I think that's going to be the curious thing because I think you know nationally, I think all the pundits are going to say, "Oh, well, look at this." You know, whoever wins this division is probably going to have within the division at least three losses, but mm-hmm. potentially four. Oh, that division's no good. But when it comes to the playoffs. Boy, those teams are going to be battle tested because it's been rock'em sock'em football every time they go head to head. So, man, I agree with you, and I think the Broncos certainly are sitting in the catbird seat due to the fact that they finished where they did last in this division last year. Their strength of schedule is going to be a little bit easier than the other three, and that's why taking advantage of these um, opportunities to get W's and stockpile them in the non-conference schedule is going to be. I mean, wins are always at a premium in the NFL, but even more so when you look at what, what you're going to be facing every time you, you have a division game. Yeah, you look at the schedule for the Broncos, for example, and you've got Carolina and you have the Jets. You also have a couple of games against the the AFC South Lesser Lights in Jacksonville and Houston. Mm-hmm. And 
everybody in the AFC West has, of course, Jacksonville and Houston. Um, but not everybody has Carolina and the Jets. And if these teams are so tightly bunched, and this is just one thing kind of on Kansas City yeah. that is probably worth considering here. If they're so tightly bunched, something that might be a difference in the divisional play is the fact that the three games on everyone's schedule that were determined by placement in the standings, it's one opponent from the AFC North, one opponent from the AFC East, and one opponent from the NFC South. Mm -hmm. So Kansas City, with those three opponents that are determined by finishing in first place, Kansas City got um, the Buffalo Bills, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Denver, finishing in last place, got Baltimore, the Jets, and the Panthers. Now, Baltimore being in last place, we all know that happened because of Lamar Jackson. So that's a little sure. bit of a bad break there. But then those other two games are still considerably softer than the one the Chiefs face. And then you look at a team like uh, the Chargers that finished in third place last year. And those games determined by the standings include Cleveland, which Hey, they might have a suspension for Deshaun Watson. If you let's say Watson is suspended six to eight games mm -hmm. and the Chargers get them early, well, that's going to be a break for them. They get Miami out of the AFC East, which could be very much a wild card, could be anything. And they get an Atlanta team that looks like it's playing for the 2023 draft <laughs> based on uh, kind of they're in being in teardown mode right now. Right. And these are the types of things that I think. If, if these teams are so good and so close to each other, something like scheduling, I think, could be what makes the Chargers or Broncos a first-place team and maybe the Chiefs a third-place team. I absolutely agree. And, and look, I, I haven't seen what the line is in Vegas for the over-under total team wins. Mm -hmm. If I'm betting on the Broncos, I'm taking the over. I, I just yeah. think that this is a team that, you know, all these ducks have lined up in, in a row, and I think they really have an opportunity to stockpile some W's in, in exactly what you said. I mean, you can take advantage of, of exactly what team is thrown in front of you by virtue of that schedule, but the fact that the Broncos have a little bit easier mix, I think really bodes well for them heading into this season. Well, it's funny. On the over-unders, it's going to go – there are various ones out there. And oh, the do you one have I one? Just, okay. Let's I see just it. found one. This is from Points Bet. Uh -huh. Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, all at 10.5 on the over-under. And the Raiders are all the way down at eight and a half. Uh, I go over Broncos. Mm -hmm. oh, man, boy. Chiefs, you said they've got the Bengals, the Bills, and the Bucks. The killer, yes. the killer bees, man. Good grief. Yeah, no doubt. Wow. I, I think I'd go under with them. Don't you? I mean, I, ah, boy, that's a tough one. The thing about Vegas is whoever sets those lines is pretty doggone good at their job. <laughs> right. And that one that one has me scared because I could see Kansas City maybe taking two or three of those games. But, boy, you, you start to look at the fact that they've got three legitimate Super Bowl contenders and the Broncos have a, you know, with the exception of the Ravens, a bunch of, you know, cupcakes. Uh, man, it, it, my money would certainly be on the Broncos. I'd feel better putting my money on the Broncos going over than I would on the Chiefs going over. Yeah, Kansas City, really, on their 17-game schedule, as of right now, they only have a couple of opponents that really d that don't have realistic Super Bowl hopes. And, th and, th and those opponents are the Jaguars and the Texans. 
because the Titans were just the number one seed last year without Derrick Henry for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think the Colts training for Matt Ryan is going to make them a lot better. They that, That's a team that looked like it was a quarterback leadership away from being able to do some damage last year in the playoffs with what they have on that roster. Gosh, Macy, you, you piqued my curiosity. I just Googled over under uh, 2023 season NFL. I got something. This is the Super Bowl 2023 odds, future lines for every team next season. Mm-hmm. And I'm scratching my head because the Broncos at plus 1,500 have have better odds than the Bengals do at plus 18. The Bengals are a team that, you know, came within a whisker of, mm-hmm. um, you know, winning a Super Bowl. Uh, boy, I, I, I don't know how this all works, but uh, Russell Wilson certainly has moved the meter here, Mace. I'll tell you what, there's... I think the Bengals, the per, this is a perception thing. And again, kind of this is going back to some conversations mm-hmm. I had down uh, at the league meeting earlier this week. There's still, there's a kind of perception that somehow, given their historic organizational struggle failings, that they're going to find a way to screw it up. But at the same time, <laughs> what they just did in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. The way they spent on their offensive line, the way when Lyle Collins became available, how they pounced on and made sure that basically once he got to Cincinnati that he didn't leave Cincinnati. Right. This, yep. this I is- feel like the Bengals and and, and something that uh, that and I and, and I got and I got this sense talking to a couple of people around their organization that there really is a different mindset in Cincinnati in terms of the willingness to. To have to to have a big check for guarantees and spend the money and maximize this window, I think they are going for it in a way that people did not expect them to. Yeah, I don't. I I think they'll come in on the over. I I I would absolutely hop on that because I and again they they had a lot of cap room and uh, just from an outsider perspective, they filled needs and uh, you know this is a team that has drafted well in the last two years. I I, I don't think this is a team you can overlook. A whole lot longer. I think that the Bengals are legitimate, and um, I know everybody wants to pencil the Chiefs and the Bills in as being, you know, the the two dominant forces in the AFC. But I, boy, I just I, I can't look past the the Bengals because I, I think they're going to be there. I really do. I do as well. Coming up on the other side, Final Four this weekend in New Orleans, Kansas, Villanova, Duke, North Carolina. But is it possible we may have? Not many more Final Fours that look quite like this one. We'll tell you why. On the other side, afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Aaron Anderson in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here on Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on allhighsports.com. FM 725 HD3 FM in Denver. Andrew Mason here, joined by Aaron Anderson, who's filling in for Eric Goodman. He's at Aaron Anderson on Twitter on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. I am at Mace Denver on Twitter. In time now for what's trending. What's trending is presented by Colorado Off Road in Littleton. 
If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. Of course, nothing bigger this weekend than the Final Four going on in New Orleans. Uh, st- tomorrow night, about 4 o'clock Mountain Time, Kansas, Villanova, and then about 6.49 Mountain Time, it's going to be the uh, what I think people back in North Carolina would say is kind of an Armageddon-type game between <laughs> North Carolina and Duke after all this time they're playing in the Final Four. But you look around college athletics, and obviously the landscape has changed dramatically with conference realignments and whatnot. And um, you look at this Final Four, and you've got two ACC teams. You've got a Big 12 team and a Big East team. And, of course, the Big East doesn't play football on a, on a high level. And those conferences, really, they've dominated college basketball. They've accounted for eight of the, la- the last eight men's national championships, 12 of the last 13 men's national championships. But those three conferences, while power conferences they are, mm-hmm. are on the wrong side of the growing revenue gap. This is from Nicole Auerbach in The Athletic this week. Quote, according to updated annual revenue projections from Navigate, a dad-driven consulting firm, the SEC and the Big Ten stand to make nearly twice as much as the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC by 2026, unquote. Now, football is driving that, no doubt, but when you have resources, it certainly means that you can pour, uh, you, you can pour a lot more in than, some, than from some other conferences. So mm-hmm. I'll ask you this, Aaron. You've got these power conference teams in there, and the ACC, Big East, and Big 12 are presented. But effectively, are we seeing a power two develop in college athletics and it doesn't include the ACC, Big 12, and Big East. Well, it, it, there's no doubt that that's where this is headed. I, but, you know, kind of to your point, I fault the NCAA more than, more than anything else because I think the NCAA has been just so opposed to evolving over the last 10, 20, 30 years with the times. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's a case of the, the haves uh, or the, the rich getting richer. And, you know, I think you can draw a parallel – um, with the, the demise or the decline in Pac-12 athletics mm-hmm. with the Pac-12 network, which was never able to generate the funding that we saw with the SEC or the Big Ten or even the ACC networks. I mean, th- these are all sustainable models. The Pac-12 has been in a fight with, I can't remember if it's DISH or DirecTV or Comcast. It's similar to what we've been dealing with here in Denver where a lot of the 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 schools, a lot of those regions those fans can't even watch their teams participate. The, the, the revenue that's generated by these other conferences who have it dialed in is astonishing. And, and I'm surprised twice as much. I think the Pac-12 is, is uh, of the three that you mentioned, uh, the Big 12, ACC, and Pac-12, they, they're, they have to be third in that, on that list, at, at least mm-hmm. in my guesstimation. There was a very interesting question that was pointed at Coach K earlier this week, and I believe it was before Duke left for the final four in New Orleans, one of the reporters asked him, Coach K, as he was heading out, and he's he's been very outspoken about his uh, frustration with the NCAA. The question was, what would you ask NCAA President Mark Emmert? Coach K had mm-hmm. two responses. He said, first, where are we going and who's going to be in charge? And Emmert, yeah. at a press conference this week, asked Congress to step in. Congress. like I, Those folks have enough going on. <laughs> They've screwed enough things up that that's the last people you want involved in the, in this model. Uh, what Coach K 
suggested uh, most recently, I think it was yesterday at a press conference, was that uh, college sports adopt the major college uh, model, which is you have an entity that's outside of the NCAA control, which is the college football playoff that, that helps to guide where this is all heading. And maybe you need an entity like that to govern how much funding is going to each conference so there is some sort of equilibrium. I think, Mace, the bigger question I have comes with name, image, likeness. I mean, th- you talk right. about not being able to put toothpaste back in the tube. There are no rules with this governing how much, who can do this, who, who can do that, uh, beyond what the schools have at their disposal, whether it be monies that uh, that they have internally or they've got boosters who can pump money into these kids' pockets to get them to come to school. I, You know, there's so many issues right now, and I, I think you're right. This mm-hmm. may be the last Final Four that we see that has such, you know, and I don't want to use the word diverse, but where you're going to see these conferences, be it the ACC, Big Ten, some of these other uh, conferences be able to keep up. I guess you said the SEC and, and Big Ten are the, the two big ones. Um, yeah. I, I just I, I don't know how to fix what's going on. What I do know is that the NCAA is in way over its head. And, you know, we talked about Roy Williams stepping away. This is one of the, the reasons why you're seeing coaches like this. Coach K, Roy Williams, you're going to see Jim Beheim step down mm-hmm. eventually. I think they just are going to get tired, you know, of pulling their hair out, trying to figure out exactly how they're going to be able to compete with people when the, the playing field is, is so obviously not leveled. Yeah, and it's weird to kind of think about schools like Kansas, UCLA, North Carolina, and Duke maybe not being able to compete, especially like in basketball, given their histories. And they'll mm-hmm. probably it, basketball will always be important at those schools, no doubt. Right. But they're gonna by comparison, like just to kind of uh, show that the revenue, um, the revenue dis- disparity here in, in terms in terms of how it exists. By twenty twenty by like by twenty twenty six, the SEC will have its schools earning one hundred and seventy eight million dollars per year. The Big Ten ninety two point five million. Mm-hmm. Then there would there will be a thirty five million dollar gap between the Big Ten and the next closest conference, the ACC. Right. I mean that that basically, what that is showing is. There's there there's going to be a bigger gap between the SEC and Big Ten between them and the next three than there is between the Pac-12, ACC, and Big Twelve and conferences like the American and the Mountain West. That's what they're going to be closer to. It it's 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 frightening. I mean, it really is yeah. because I mean, it, it, you and I are sports fans and have yeah. talked about reading Sports Illustrated as kids and whatnot. You're going to lose a lot of these rivalries, and you know that's why you're seeing the Texas's and Oklahoma's jump ship and hop over to the SEC. And I know there's rumors that Clemson is next. That's one yeah. of the, the schools that uh, the SEC certainly has had their eyes on uh, for, for what the, the Tigers have done in football. But they're actually a, a, a decent basketball uh, program as well. So, yeah, again, it's, it's all about haves and have-nots. And unless there's somebody, you know, <laughs> steering this ship, you know, as long as Mark Emmert's just sitting there, you know, throwing his hands up in the air going, I don't know what to do you're going to see a lot more disparity, certainly in funding and, and probably in these conferences. And like you say, this could be a, a two-conference problem. 
Right. And it's funny, you mentioned Clemson. The ACC has a grant of rights that is very tenuously holding things together right now that that, that ties members of the conference through 2036. But mm-hmm. there's always a way to legally challenge things. And if Clemson were to challenge that and get to the SEC, then, you know, Katie bar the door, as it were, because <laughs> I think if they if Clemson did, I think FSU would follow them to the SEC. And I think you might see a North Carolina, a Virginia, maybe a couple others out of the ACC headed for the Big Ten as well. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. And I mean, you just hope that if something like that happened, that uh, you'd, you'd keep Carolina and Duke together for that rivalry. But you, I can't imagine North Carolina, Duke, State, and w- Wake Forest staying together. And, the, and that, four, that, that group of four schools is so special together, and it may not last forever. I would hate to see it happen, but at this point, it, it wouldn't shock me based on the way that uh, college athletics is going. Exactly. Danny, what did we miss? Well, we will get to the U.S. men's national team draw for the World Cup and also a couple big games over the weekend here for the local teams, the Nuggets and the Avs, both on national TV over the weekend. We'll talk about all that next right here on Afternoon Drive with Anderson and Mason. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Arn Anderson filling in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD, 3 FM. You want to join us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, R.N. Anderson, at R.N. Anderson on Twitter. It's A-R-R-A-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. I'm at Mace Denver on Twitter. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. Mace, yesterday you and Eric discussed the possibility for the U.S. men's national team to have a World Cup game on Thanksgiving. And they are pretty close, but they're going to be playing the day after. And it is that big match against England. They will be in Group B. So the USA has drawn England, Iran, Iran. I'm not. I'm never sure how to pronounce that one. Uh, I, think and Iran. Iran, I think it's Iran. Iran. And uh, the winner of a European playoff between Ukraine, Scotland, and Wales. How much bigger does it make that game, the match between USA and England, that it will be on a day most Americans will have off the Friday after Thanksgiving? Oh, it's massive that they that it wasn't going to be on Thanksgiving. Being on Black Friday is kind of the, the next best thing. That is already a day that a lot of people take off. A lot of people are watching sports um, and the one thing we're going to find out is when the kickoff time is going to be. But because of that, you kind of figure that that uh, FIFA is going to make sure that that game has one of the later kickoffs. Uh, so it's uh, at, 
it's at, it's by mid morning to in terms of Denver time, mid morning to right around uh, midday is when it would happen. And uh, I think that that might get the uh, largest audience we've seen for a U.S. World Cup soccer game on television. I agree, Mace. We've been kicking England's butt for about what two hundred and fifty years. People are <laughs> people are going to be tuning in to watch this game after uh, digesting a bunch of turkey and uh, yeah. taking a huge nap on Thursday. I, I'm actually I, I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. I know I, I was funny. I was just googling England draw uh, on mm-hmm. Google, and um, sounds like the uh, the English are really excited. They feel like this is going to be a cakewalk. So. I think it'll be uh, a lot of fun to see how the U.S. Uh, MT fares against these folks. And man, I I don't know about you, man, but um, that that Friday after Thanksgiving, usually uh, you would have Colorado and Nebraska, right? That was the big game before they, you know, Nebraska mm-hmm. hop ship for the big Big Twelve or the Big Ten. Um, there is a void there. There are certainly college football games that day, but the the main thrust is on Saturday. So in terms of placement. I think uh, the 25th is a great day for, for this match to be played. I think it's absolutely a great day. The, the whole World Cup in terms of uh, fitting in relative to our sporting calendar here in the States is just fascinating because it's happening in the fall right during the heart of uh, NFL season, right. the end of a uh, college football season. Uh, it's it's going to be a late November, early December, unlike anything we've seen uh, sports-wise ever, quite literally. And, uh, and if, if, if the U.S., can just be a little bit more consistent than they've been. I think I look at this group also. I think they've got an excellent chance to advance to the to the knockout rounds, the single elimination. And oh, by the way, the last time England and the USA were in the same group at the World Cup, it was back in 2010. Mm-hmm. There was a uh, a headline in one of the British tabloids that said it was an easy group, and in the U.S. end up winning the group. And when the U.S. and England played, it was a one-one draw. That's right. So I'm, I think, I think England uh, overlooks the U.S. at its own peril a little bit. I think that's going to be a tougher game than maybe some of their fans think. But you know, my mother's English. We followed English, uh, the English national team here in this household forever. Mm-hmm. England's fans sometimes have a capacity of overestimating their side's capability. I think what you're saying, Mays, just to, to boil it down to just a, a little phrase, we got them right where we want them. Yep, exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Just in case you missed it, the Nuggets and Avalanche each have nationally televised games this weekend. Tomorrow, the Avs take on Pittsburgh at home on ABC at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, the Nuggets play the Lakers in L.A. at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, also on ABC. Do both teams win their games in the national spotlight this weekend? I think both of them will win their games. Um... Now, of course, uh, are the Lakers going to have Anthony Davis by Sunday? Is he going to be back in the Remains lineup? to be seen. He mm-hmm. may okay. he may be back tonight against uh, New Orleans. And if not tonight, I would imagine their plan would be to get him back out there by Sunday. Okay. Because that being said, if he's having his first game back on Sunday, I don't think that's going to be an immediate cure-all. And uh, I, I like the Nuggets' chances much better if that's AD's first game back rather than his second game back? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a, a different answer, Mace, and that is I think it really comes down to what happens tonight. I think if the Nuggets take care of business mm-hmm. uh, against the T-Wolves, and we had Dave uh, Benz, the voice of the T-Wolves, uh, on earlier in the show, I think there, there may be a tendency to, to 
kind of just relax a little bit because the the next four games really aren't going to determine a whole lot in terms of seeding. I, I know that the Jazz and Nuggets are, are are neck and neck right now, but I think the idea that the Nuggets are going to avoid that play-in situation is going to maybe give them cause to just kind of let up. And the Lakers, as we know, have a lot to – they're on the outside looking in right now, so they have a lot right. more on the line than the Nuggets do. So my sense might be – Maybe the Lakers win that game, but I sure would love to see the Avs get a W. I, I would, too. Of course, going against the Pens, one of many teams, I believe it's six teams in the Eastern Conference uh, that are above 90 points already, absolutely stacked mm-hmm. over there. Yep. Is that all we got, Danny? That's it. Let's head into the weekend. All right. That's a big weekend for sports, like Danny just mentioned, with the Avs and uh, Nuggets with some big games, a big weekend in Denver sports coming up. Aaron, appreciate you uh, coming down to the studio. Great talking to you as always, my friend. Hey, great to sit in. Enjoy the rest of your uh, vacation out there in Florida and look forward to uh, getting together with you sometime soon. Likewise. Take care. Danny Kelly, Alex Becker, great job behind the glass today, keeping us sounding good despite being in uh, different states and different time zones. I'll be back in the studio on Monday. Eric will be back. Then until until next time, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Nuggets. Enjoy the Avs. Enjoy the Final Four. And by the way, if you want to listen to our conversation with Dave Benz about Nuggets T-Wolves tonight, check that out on milehighsports.com. Talk to you Monday.